Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with pureandsimplebible.com, and I am so thankful to have one final time to talk with you on this podcast in the year 2020. Uh, what can we say about 2020 that would make it, you know, a fitting end? Not sure. Um, it has been a challenging year for all, and while I may try to keep it a little bit light, there definitely has been some moments that have been not so light. And uh, I've had loved ones who have lost family members who they're close to because of the virus and many of the reactions to it, and perhaps you have as well. And then there's uh, all of the loss of time and resources, etc., across 2020. So it has been... Uh, quite a year, and I know that people are struggling. Now, I have some conversations recorded that I do plan to start in the new year, but I wanted to end this year, uh, I guess, with a meditation on something I feel would be helpful for us to consider as we think about 2020 and the challenges that we've gone through. And uh, I guess there's a lot of different things you could talk about. You know, you could talk about perseverance or patience. You could talk about sorrow or how to deal with pain during times like this. And all of those deserve their moment uh, for our consideration. However, I would like to study from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where the Scripture says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, when that scripture says, in everything give thanks, I guess the question I might ask would be, how do we give thanks in 2020? And uh, maybe a good place to start, because of the way that whenever somebody does test positive for the COVID um, virus, a lot of times people see it, and uh, we're you know supposed to be health conscious, and so we uh, inform people that we have it in a similar way, um, if I could make a comparison to those who had leprosy, right? And so when you have leprosy in the Bible, you see that there is a quarantining and then there's a testing phase. And then if you have it, then, you know, you stay away from others. In fact, they were so um, peculiar, not peculiar, they were so, oh, strict about it that if you had it, you had to shout out, unclean, unclean, right? And so... What I want to consider is a time when some lepers encountered Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 15 through 18. And so you have these 10 lepers, and they were, they were living out a nightmare, right? So they were isolated from their families and friends. They were forced, like I said, to call out unclean when others came nearby. And slowly their bodies are just wasting away. And so when Jesus comes by one day, they stand a long way off and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And no doubt their hearts, I think, uh, they're racing with hope because they've not felt any sense of hope in a long time. Uh, and Jesus tells them to go to the temple and show themselves to the high priest. So knowing what he's capable of, they take off, and as they're going, hobbling and shuffling in their afflictions, suddenly they are invigorated with health, and they are made well. Their leprosy's gone, their limbs, their strength, it's been restored. And so they just take off for the high priest rejoicing. And while nine 
press on, there is one who is reflecting about who had healed them. And so he turns around and goes back to Jesus. And the Bible says that he shouted with a loud voice, glorifying God, and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. So this leper knew what Jesus had done. And it wasn't enough for him to simply be thankful, but rather that he should express his thankfulness. And so what a valuable lesson we have there. And that's going to be a way maybe to tie in uh, current events with 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18 on giving thanks. Thankfulness is a privilege for a Christian. It is a responsibility for a Christian. And so when you go through a year like this year or other years, as many of you have been through tragedies, not just in 2020, but there have been challenging years in the past, and you, you probably know this better than I do, but Christians that go through adversity, times of trial, we know that during those times we have just as much privilege and right and responsibility to be thankful as we do when things are going well. And because I feel like maybe 2020 is a year where all of humanity in common can maybe groan a little bit about what has happened, um, it's still an opportunity for us to be thankful. And that's what I want to think about today. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, you got three commands here that are telling you to do three different things constantly. So that should tell me right off the bat this isn't literal, right? I can't always rejoice. I can't always pray, and I can't always give thanks. But what we have here is a mindset, right? A mindset, or as one writer called it, standing orders. If you're a soldier, right, this is your standing orders. This is what you're going to be like throughout your life. Now, Paul gave these standing orders to the Thessalonians and us. And these principles were not just for one time, like I'm trying to emphasize here, but for daily obedience. And the history and context of the Thessalonians uh, shows us that they were really going through some tough times. They were being persecuted for their faith, and uh, it was bringing negative, the, their faith was bringing negative consequences to many. So what can we learn? Well, for starters... I think we have to know that many times it is natural and easy to be thankful. But when life doesn't go as planned, when we are not prosperous, when we are not happy, when we have not escaped a great danger, when we have not recovered from a severe illness, even in those times, we're called to be thankful. Paul said in everything give thanks. He knew that the Thessalonians had been visited by suffering and death. And so the question is, can you be thankful when things go bad? And the answer should be yes. Christians do not look on sorrow like others look at sorrow. When sickness comes, when there's loss, disappointment, or bereavement, when plans are frustrated, Christians still are called on by the scriptures to give thanks to God. And so that, that command may not appear natural to you. 
It certainly doesn't to me sometimes. But, you know, the, the natural thing to do when we've been hurt or we've lost something or someone is to feel sad and to have this uh, frustration with the way events have gone. And you know what? There are times when that's acceptable. And you can find scriptures that talk about the value of lamenting. That may not be a word that we use often, but unrelated to this study except for uh, this particular point, I'd challenge you to read the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. Lamentations was written just after the uh, Jewish people had been captured and taken captive to Babylon. And there they pour out their heart, their frustration. They're pouring out the sadness of how they feel. So believe me, it is okay for us to feel sad, to be depressed, to have anxiety, to feel lost in a moment. Emotions are things that we have to learn to control, but even when you're controlling them, you're still going to feel them, right? But the difference is, between a Christian and, and somebody of this world, is that we do not seek to justify the bad things that happen to us as a reason for why we are unthankful or ungrateful, right? If you walk through life with that focus of, of trying to be justified, uh, that bad things have happened to you, therefore you deserve to act in this ungodly way, or you deserve to lash out at people in an ungodly way, when you walk through life with that focus, it will not bring peace. It will never bring peace. God knows that, and that's why he commanded us to be thankful in all ways and at all times. I know, uh, for example, my kids, they can't stand it whenever I tell them that uh, whatever they're going through is going to build character. Oh, they hate that phrase, building character. You know, another cliche that we might use is that all problems are just opportunities in disguise. And you, you, you say those, and it can sound rather cliche, but with a thankful outlook, I genuinely believe what the Bible teaches, that we can overcome the sorrows of life with God's help, with a thankful outlook, with a thankful mindset. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's a lot to unpack in that verse, but look at it. You're not going to be anxious about anything, but through prayer and in supplication with thanksgiving, you talk to God. You let your requests be made known. So whether you're high or low today, or whenever you listen to this, give thanks. Okay, so let's consider maybe three basic ideas of thankfulness and how we can give thanks to God, whether we're going through a, a highlight of our life or a low part of our life. Okay, we can always be thankful to God. Here's the first of three to challenge you with today, and that is thank you, God, for what I have. Think about that. Whether it's a high time or a low time in your life, you can say, thank you, God, for what I have. Every day is a gift. Every breath that you take is a gift. Every interaction with a loved one is a gift. 
and you don't know when that last time is you're going to get to see that person. Sometimes you do. Many of us, uh, whenever we lose someone, we are able to say goodbye, but other times not. Right? And so every time you interact with someone that you love and you care about, that's a gift. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's just so many scriptures that tell us to be thankful and to give thanks for all things. You know, every person on the planet has basic needs to be met before they really can work effectively in their life and, and in relationships. And those uh, people might have different lists. Um, for this study, I'm going to suggest that it's food, clothing, and shelter, right? And it's easy to think because I, I imagine probably the majority of you who are listening to this, and maybe I'm going out on a limb a bit with my generalities, but I'm going to assume that it's easy for you to get food, clothing, and shelter. Now, uh, it's likely that our food, clothing, and shelter looks differently, right? So whether you're living in an apartment or in a house, whether you rent that house or you own that house, whether it's a big or a small place, I doubt many of us are struggling to find shelter in the cold. Maybe some are. And God bless you as you look for that. What about food or, or clothing? Do you only have one pair of clothes? Do you only have enough food to eat for the next meal and you don't know where the next one's coming from? Again, I would generalize, hopefully, by saying that most of the people listening to this podcast know where their next meal is, and they know that tomorrow they can put on fresh clothes. I think the truth is that whether we are in a developed country or a developing country where our basic necessities really are a lot or whether they are just enough to get us by, it doesn't matter if it's just enough to get by or a lot. The, the, the value is that we've been promised if we don't worry about it, God will provide. Now, that's challenging. But consider these words, Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or uh, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32. But after, or rather, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus used birds and flowers as his proof in nature that if God provides for birds and flowers, will he not provide for his most prized creation, man? Jesus also asked his followers to trust God. And so when we seek God's way first, the basic needs are added. And I'm not intending this to sound like a prosperity gospel, right? I don't think it's healthy to immediately expect $50 million or the finest clothes and the finest food when you put your faith in God. Rather, it's a mindset. That's what I'm trying to advocate for, is a mindset that shifts towards being thankful for what we have. None of us are promised the finest things, simply food, clothing, shelter. But most of us have much more than food, clothing, shelter. 
And our thankfulness should be like Paul when he said in Philippians 4, verse 11, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the first of three things we can be thankful for when the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5 says to always give thanks is we can say thank you, God, for what I have. That may be the most tangible one, but I think as a, a Christian prays, thank you for what I have, we put in order the, the priorities of our possessions and we start to see that our things, our stuff and things, really is a lot lower than sometimes we value them to be. And we recognize that God has really ordained us to be higher than a lot of times we give ourselves the credit for. And so a second of three things that we can always give thanks for is this. Thank you, God, for who I am. Right? We can all be grateful. We should be grateful for the intrinsic value that we have in God's eyes. Now, we read just a little bit ago in Matthew chapter 6 how Jesus explained uh, using birds and flowers, right, of what we should be thankful for. I want you to listen to this specific verse, Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus taught that each of us has great value, and that's a special component of the Christian worldview. We understand that we're not an accident. We're not a collection of a evolved cells, a bag of bones and muscles, the sum total of previous lives of good and evil. You know, there's a lot of worldviews that kind of view us as just a collection of parts. And in the Christian worldview, as, as we seek for truth, what we discover is that we bear God's image. Genesis 1.26 says, let us make man in our image. And that means we carry within us a spirit, an immortal part of our being that is an essence to our identity. So our physical body it does deteriorate, but our spirit remains invigorated in God's image. And again, you know, many people, smart, intelligent, charismatic people, will tell you that you're just a more evolved form of a lesser animal. And not only is that view based on a theory that is incorrect, but it creates a worldview that strips humanity of the holy place we have in God's creation. So I just want to emphasize Bearing God's image is an honor. Our, our worth, you know, we're, we're special, we're unique, we're crafted by Almighty God. He loves and cares for us. And think about this. If you were the only one in the world who sinned, I mean, imagine if somehow, some way, everybody has lived a sinless life, we've all obeyed God, and you were the only one. Somehow you rebel and disobey God and you have sin in your life. There's only one person out of humanity. Jesus still would have came 
and died so that you would have that wonderful hope and opportunity to be saved by grace through faith. And and sometimes we forget that, that we have value. You know, life has been made so cheap by fellow humans, war, abortion, slavery, our world can turn us into cattle. But David praised God by saying in Psalm 139, verse 14, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. I I just can't emphasize enough, I guess, how thankful we should be for the way God sees us. And so we can say, thank you, God, for who I am. I might see myself one way, but I know that you see me in a very special way, that I'm made in your image, that I'm adopted into your family through the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is an amazing Amazing gift. So if we were to uh, summarize so far what First Thessalonians 5 verse 18 is asking, which is in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, then I would say thank you, God, for what I have. And thank you, God, for who I am. And then the final one that we're going to mention, and, and there's obviously a, a progression of thought here where you could keep going a lot farther than maybe what this brief study does. But I think as you look at your your possessions and you're thankful for what you have, and then you kind of move beyond your possessions and you see the value of who you are, um, then you start to even reflect higher. And you, I think naturally, as you're expressing thanks, you transcend to this level where you conclude, wow, thank you, God for who you are and what you've done. Our thankfulness leads us, right, to the rock that is higher than us. And it shows us as we become thankful and that mindset continues to grow, wow, we see God for who God is and for what God has done. You know, in the beginning, Genesis 1-1 says God created the heavens and the earth. And so we've been given this perfect creation. And within it, there was the dignity of a relationship based on love, mutual respect, respect and choice. And even in that moment when, when God knew that mankind would fall from his grace, he made provision. And that blows my mind. I can't understand it. I can't understand God's for ordination. In 1 Peter 1, verse 20, it says, Jesus indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. God knew that we would fall from grace, and he knew that only the sacrifice of an innocent could redeem the guilty, and so he planned 
the redemption narrative of the Bible before time began. That's what's so amazing. And that Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice. That he would be willing to die on the cross. Offered for me and for you. And so thank you, God, for what you've done. Think about how the divine has taken on flesh, walked among us. He lived as we do. He ate, he drank, he laughed, he slept, he cried. He experienced life in all ways as we have, except he was without sin. And I always feel weird, you know, saying things like, thank you for dying. Thank you for your sacrifice. It seemed, I don't know, it just seems to make light of how awful it was. And I'm saying thank you for it. But it did happen. Jesus had to take our place because no one could do it themselves. You know, I think about why. You know, here we are in this meditation on being thankful. Why? Why would he be blindfolded and mocked and beaten, spit on? Why would he have his back scourged, his flesh ripped, and then be crucified? Why did God plan before time began for such a terrible thing to happen? The only thing I can come up with is because of love, because of the dignity of the relationship that God wants with us that is based on mutual respect and choice and love. I, I can't fathom it. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. He has not dealt with us according to our sin. Oh, I just read that twice, sorry. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, there's so much more we could consider when we think about what God has done or who God is. I mean, that's we're going to praise God for eternity for who he is and what he's done. But it's verses like that that remind me, and I hope it does you too, at the very least to help express the tremendous gift of God's love and mercy. So thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done. Well, that's our time together at the end of 2020. And I, like I said in the beginning, I think there's a lot of things that we could have considered to go out on in 2020 that would have been worthy of our time. And maybe uh, you need to hear things about that, such as patience and uh, how to mourn, going through times of sorrow, how to be patient with brethren. You know, there's so many things that we've not talked about in this final episode. And I suppose the good news is, if the Lord wills that 2021 continues, that we can talk about those. But I wanted to end the year 
with this thought from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read it one more time. And it was, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And my challenge to you is, instead of complaining and being bitter about the way life has gone for you, I challenge your mindset to be one of thanksgiving, where we always have gratitude towards God and for one another, for what we have and who we are and what God has accomplished. Don't forget that every day is a gift and every day is a day to thank God. From the moment you open your eyes in the morning to the moment you close them at night, thank God. Actively give thanks in everything you do and you will find that your mindset and your worldview will overflow with peace, joy, love, and compassion instead of being filled with bitterness, sorrow, and the like. Well, I know 2020 has been a challenge, and I know 2021 is going to start off as a challenge. Just because the calendar year uh, the calendar year uh, begins anew doesn't mean that all of our current issues go away. I ask for you to please pray for me and my family that we could be healed from this quickly and recover fully. And I ask that you would pray for the church that as we enter the new year, that we would be about the Lord's business, thankful for everything we have, for who we are and for what God has done. So to God's people everywhere who are listening to this podcast, whether it is in the final days of 2020 or if you're listening to it later on, Pray for the church, pray for the work, and be thankful. Always be thankful. This is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon, he was a man like me and you. Well, Israel was in some.